Welcome back to another episode of Kauai Podcast. I am your host, Ty Whitman, and I'm titling this episode Aloha because Aloha stands for both hello and goodbye, and both of those terms are fitting for this episode. Hello, because if you're just finding this podcast, there's a good chance this is the first episode you will listen to. People usually just start at the most recent one. And goodbye, because if you've been following this podcast from the beginning, there's a good chance that this will be my final episode. So I wanted to say goodbye formally in the event that is the case. Today we're going to give a little update on what's been going on in my life since the last episode and why this might very well be the last episode of Kauai Podcast. And then for the bulk of the show, we're going to bring on Wade Fishman and touch base with him about what's been going on in Hawaii right now. Wade has an awesome podcast called Living the Aloha Life. He has an awesome co-host on that podcast, Amanda, who goes by Dr. Aloha. And I would highly recommend you give their show a listen. We've got a totally packed show today, so let's go ahead and hop right into it. This is Kauai Podcast, Episode 36. Aloha. Gee, how I'd love to be stranded on a desert island with you. We'd live on passion fruit, frolic on the beach the whole day. From our ukuleles and sing only love songs, share each other's secrets with a hat of coconut front. My first Kauai podcast came out on March 3rd, 2012. Wow, that's a long time ago. I think this series of Kauai podcasts has had a pretty good run. And even though I was just a rookie who was constantly butchering names in those first episodes, I think the whole series turned out really well. When I look back at the episodes in this series, I think they do a really good job of showing people the island and sharing a love for the island. And I think they do a good job of taking people there on virtual trips, giving people that escape to Kauai. We've recorded some really good interviews with some incredible people through the years. And I think those interviews are every bit as good to listen to today as they were the day we first recorded them. And I thank every single guest we've had along the way for helping to share their love of the islands. On days when I'm super stressed, I'll still throw in an old episode once in a while to just help me escape and and take me away. And so I'm really sad to be sitting down and putting out this last episode, and that's probably why I've been putting off doing it so long, but I thought that this whole series deserved a formal goodbye, and if that ends up being the case, I I thought you as the listeners deserved it, and I also thought that if I wasn't going to be putting out any more shows, the least I could do is refer you to someone else who I think puts out a really good show in Hawaii. So we're going to be bringing Wade on in a few minutes, But first, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about why I am calling this my last show. As many of you who have been listening to the show for a while know, I have had a dream of moving to the islands for a long, long time. I actually put myself into a position through real estate investing where I could essentially retire early. So I had the hardest part of that equation worked out, but I didn't have a place on Kauai. 
And I kept thinking that the real estate market was in this huge bubble. So I kept waiting for it to pop. And a year ago, I finally sold my home and moved away from Modesto, California. But I didn't move to Kauai. I ended up moving to Florida, the Tampa Bay area to be exact. With COVID breaking out and all the restrictions going on in Hawaii and all the businesses shutting their doors, it didn't seem like the right time to make the move there. And I also thought that the Hawaii real estate market was poised to just crash. I mean, seriously, how are people going to pay their vacation rentals when the whole island was closed down? So it seemed like the worst possible time to move to and try to purchase on Kauai. By the way, right as I was moving, I was almost killed in a car crash as well. I had my pod container dropped off in front of my home. It was supposed to be loaded up the next day. And that night... I was stopped on the freeway and I was rear-ended by some guy who was looking down at his phone and rear-ended me at 70 plus miles an hour without even hitting the brakes. Anybody that sees a picture of my car or that saw a picture of my car at the time looks at it and they say, it's amazing I even lived through that thing. My trunk was pushed all the way into the back seat of the car. The driver's whole side of the car was taken out and smashed up. I still have no memory of the accident. My first memory was coming to in the hospital about five hours later. I spent about a week in the hospital and about three or four months after that, just mostly lying on the couch. About six weeks after that crash, I started taking three short walks a day, and I would say I had concussion symptoms for about a year, but I am back now. So I actually sold my house in Modesto and moved to Florida in the middle of all that. I had to stay at my sister's house for a little bit. And then I got an apartment here in Florida at the same complex that my daughter was living at. So I had come out here and helped her look for places. So the front office knew me. Um, she had some friends here. I had my pod shipped out here and her friends unloaded all the stuff out of my pod into the apartment here. Sarah met my cable guy. So I had my TV hooked up. She even put groceries in the fridge for me and a shower curtain and picked me up at the airport. So all I had to do was get right off the plane. And even still back then, the plane was a, an effort for me. I got off the plane, got in her car, came here and hit the couch again and continued my recovery. So she really made that possible for me to do. But after I got to Florida, as soon as I felt able, I actually started a Tampa area podcast called Exploring Tampa, Florida and Beyond. I mainly did that as a way to get my mind focused on something else other than just feeling beat up. I mean, I felt terrible. And I did it as a way to force me to get out of this place, get out and explore the world. My first episode of that podcast, that Exploring Tampa, Florida and Beyond podcast, I actually spend that episode comparing Kauai or Hawaii with the Tampa Bay area and explain why I chose Tampa over Hawaii at the time that I did. You Kauai podcast listeners might find that first episode kind of fun. One thing I can say right here on this podcast right now that I didn't say in that podcast, maybe I didn't feel comfortable saying it there, or maybe because it took some time to just fully set in, that although the Tampa area is absolutely beautiful and super nice, I'm having a hard time finding places that make me feel magic like I did on Kauai. And this place never makes me cry like Kauai did every single time my plane landed or every single time 
my plane took off. So I can say all these nice things and I can try to compare them, but the reality is the islands still have that that magic for me. The only time that's happened here is one time I was down watching a sunset in the Venice Beach area on the pier. The sun was setting and dolphins were cresting and swimming out there. And it felt a little magical there. And then the other time that actually brought tears to my eyes wasn't so much because I felt the magic here. I was driving down a road on Casey Key. Stephen King has a house on Casey Key. It's a beautiful area. I'm driving north on the road, and it's a little road, like one and a half lanes. If somebody else comes the other way, it's hard to get around them. And the beach was right there, 15 feet of beach, and the ocean, and the ocean was so blue. The trees are overhanging, and vines are coming out of the trees. And for a second there, on a stretch of that road for about a quarter mile, I felt like I was in Hawaii. And feeling like I was in Hawaii is what brought tears to my eyes. So I really do absolutely love it here. I'm having a hard time finding that exact magic that I feel in Hawaii. But I have put out 20 episodes of that Exploring Tampa, Florida and Beyond podcast so far. I've enjoyed doing that. It gets me out. If you feel like checking those out, by the way, you can find that by looking the show up in any pod directories or the website is one or two websites, exploringtampaflorida.com, or you can just type thetampapodcast.com and it'll take you to the website. I haven't completely ruled out a return to Hawaii. If that happens, I would pick this show back up on a monthly basis, but I really don't see that happening at all in the near future. And things like we're going to talk about today, like vaccine passports, things that the Hawaiian government are implementing or kind of make that seem less and less likely. Also, like I mentioned in my first Tampa podcast, I was holding out for the option of picking up a place here in Tampa and picking up a place in Hawaii and being able to go back and forth, but I was expecting the real estate market to kind of take a dive, and I don't see that happening at all right now. I, I don't know why. The market definitely seems to have a ton of supporting evidence that we're in this huge bubble and that the market across the country should crash. And Hawaii specifically with all the rental properties and no vacationers being able to go there for a year, I thought it would. But the rules of the game, they just seem to be changing daily. And there are still a lot of people out there with a lot of money. The government is printing trillions and trillions, which is putting more money in people's hands. And there are a lot of major hedge funds that have been getting into real estate and spending a lot of money in the real estate field. And in addition, let's face it, Hawaii is a series of islands. Space is severely limited. So I don't see that crash happening anytime soon. In addition to all that, although I have spent a lot of time in Jacksonville, Florida, it was mostly working. So I have a ton I want to explore out this way, this side of the country, in Florida, on all those islands south and east of here. I think right now my best chance of returning to Hawaii might fall into a plan that Wade is working on, which we cover later on in the show, towards the end of the show with him. So I wanted to put this show out now as a formal goodbye, maybe for good, but at least for now. And I wanted to give my listeners a referral to another show that I absolutely love that can bring Hawaii and the mana of Hawaii to you. And that podcast is Living the Aloha Life. And today we're going to be talking with Wade Fishman, from the Living the Aloha Life podcast. 
We first interviewed Wade in episode 26 when we talked about his love of the islands and what brought him to the islands. We actually spoke with both him and Bruce Fisher in that episode. Back then, they were doing a podcast together called Lucky We Live Hawaii. Wade and I have remained friends ever since we met that day when we recorded that show. Don't try looking for it, by the way, because you can't find old episodes of that show anymore. They have since disbanded and gone separate ways. Wade shortly afterwards started a new podcast called Living the Aloha Life, which I absolutely love and which I would recommend anyone subscribe to. He has an awesome co-host in Amanda, and I look forward to listening to each and every one of their podcasts. Wade lives on Oahu, so his podcast is not Kauai-centered, but they talk current events, so you get updates about all the goings-on in the island, and they also have themes to almost each and every podcast, so you learn something each and every time you listen. Like some of their recent shows have included themes of things like Elvis, Hawaii flora and fauna, 20 must-dos in Hawaii, the ultimate Oahu beach guide, and they just wrapped up a two-part series on the annexation of Hawaii. With his podcast, they have both free shows and patron-only shows. All of them are very, very good. I would recommend listening to a few free ones and then supporting them to get them all if that's something you think you'd like to hear. I know firsthand how much work actually goes into putting a podcast together, so I am a patron of his show. Anyway, I always love talking to Wade, and every time we get on the phone, it seems like we end up talking for hours. I'm sure you guys are going to love him as well. This is Wade Fishman. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Aloha. Hey, Wade. How you doing? We've been friends ever since we did that podcast years ago, and we talk a lot, but I don't think I've ever sat and told you specifically what I love about your podcast. If we weren't recording a show and I just started raving these things off back to back, it would probably seem weird. But let me, let me tell you specifically what I love so much about your podcast and listening to it. And first off, I love that you take me to Hawaii. And when I think about how much I appreciate your show for doing that, I think if my show has been able to do that for other people throughout the years, then I'm really happy that I've been able to give that to other people. One thing your podcast does that mine never has is you give current information with regards to Hawaii. I've always tried to keep my shows evergreen so that somebody could listen to a show I recorded five years ago and it would be just Mm. the same today, right? Now, you, you can't always do that. There's been changes to reservations at K.A. Beach, if you want to go there, or hiking Kalalau Trail, the beginning of it. There's been certain restaurants that have closed down and so forth. But I've never gotten into the news so much because I just wanted to focus on the island and I wanted everything to be evergreen. However, I do like getting those current events and I do like hearing those current events from somebody who's there. So I really appreciate the current information that you guys give out with regards to Hawaii. But some people can just sit there and make a bitch session about something, right? You give out right. current events, you talk about news, and then each and every show, it seems like you go into this educational theme. So I always hear a little bit about current events, and then I always learn something from each of your shows. And when I listen to your show, even though you have a business that services vacationers, You don't spend your whole show talking about that. I mean, it's obvious you're doing the show because you 
love the island. Whereas you might hear other things and you feel like they're really just doing the podcast to push a travel business or their own real estate business or something like that. Right. I feel your love. And although you talk current events, and right now there's a lot of terrible stuff to talk about in Hawaii with relation to current events, I don't ever feel like I'm listening to some certain party's agenda. I feel like I'm getting an unbiased, boots-on-the-ground feeling of what's going on on the island. And I feel like I'm getting, even when you're mad and pissed off, I feel like I'm getting a strong (laughs) opinion from someone who loves Hawaii. Absolutely. Yeah, who loves and connects with that island, the island's mana, the people of the island, not somebody that's just buying into a political party side. So when you are pissed, which you are justifiably so at times, I feel like you are defending the island. And and I can um, I can relate to that. And then yeah. in addition to that, when you started your show, you went through a few different hosts and so forth, but you came upon your current co-host. I love the relationship that you have between you and your co-host. I don't know whether to call her Amanda or Dr. Aloha. Which should I call her? Uh, don't call her Dr. Aloha. Okay, I'll call her Dr. <laughs> the poor man and Dr. Aloha. <laughs> so anyway, you guys have an awesome relationship and you both balance each other out very, very well. And you're also, you both have very likable personalities. And yeah, some of those things I just got done covering about what I like so much about your show are also some of the things I want to cover with you relating to the topics today, starting with talking about Dr. Aloha a little bit, because I am curious about this. I believe she was at one point a guest on your show way back, but how did she come about going from being a guest on your show to being a co-host of your show? Yeah, so this all started back in, man, it was, it was years before she even moved here, but if you can believe this, she booked a tour with me. Huh. <laughs> so, so she she, she did a tour yeah. of yours and we should mention you do what do you what do you call your tours that you do just so people yeah, know so what we're we are about. so we're a small eco-friendly jeep tour company and it's hawaii jeep and specialty tours i also own the name hawaii jeep tours that's a long story but i own pretty much anything in hawaii that has to do with jeep tours Okay. Um, but that's the name we go with because we also do specialty tours where they're customizable and we want to give people the option to decide what they want to do for the day. It's just not a straight up itinerary where you can call, plan ahead of time and say, you know, I'd like to see this, this and this and add in this and this and this. And we can customize every tour for you if you want. The fact that I'm having to ask you that question right now, but that goes to show how much when I say I don't feel like you're pushing anything on your show. I yeah. asked you that for my audience, but I also asked you that for myself as well. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that I didn't know all that information, as much as we've talked on the phone as well, just goes to show how little you've had to even push your tours through the years. So yeah, I don't. How, how I just ago, don't do that. Yeah. How long ago did so we met, come with you? Oh, uh, well, so let's see. She moved here like three years ago. So I would say between four and five years ago, I went on a tour with her. I brought her around the island. Where'd you guys go? Oh, we went all around the island. I, I took to, took her to a lot of special locations that I usually don't bring people because I, it was a weird because as soon as she got in the front seat of the Jeep, I just had a vibe with her, like a real positive vibe. And her intention was to move to Hawaii and she was on an expedition. 
that first time I brought her on the tour, she visited all the islands because she was actually coming here to decide which island she was going to live on. You've told me so, before that Kauai is her favorite island. That's her favorite island. Why did Absolutely. she end up moving to Oahu? Was it just for ease of getting a job? Yeah, it was easy easy to get uh, a job in her field, and she thought that would allow her to have the best of everything between the nightlife, the city life, and the, the jungle life and beach life together. And then later on, she would make a decision to move her career, which would be a lot. E- Once you get established here in Hawaii, you know, and I and I and mind you, she was listening to uh, the podcast that me and uh, the old man used to do. So she was listening to it back then. And she was always listening to our advice and planning her own way on how to get out here. And she knew that would be best for her to establish a foundation, let's say, on Oahu. And then she could easily transfer through the system, you know, because she works through the school system. It would be a lot easier for her to transfer to another island like Kauai or like the Big Island. Real quick, if I can interrupt you. Yeah. But she goes by the name Dr. Aloha, and that's no joke. Why don't you mention what she does with the school system? Because I think it's really cool. Well, she's a psychologist, so she helps a lot of the kids in school. She went to school back in Philly, uh, psychology, to become a doctor, and she really helps the kids. And actually, it's funny because right now is kind of like the hardest time because mm-hmm. these kids uh, have, have been really disrupted with not being in school with COVID. So it's been a real tough time for her right now. But, um, yeah, that's what she does. So okay, she cool. is like and, – and, and, you know, psychology, right? So she kind of keeps me in line. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons as a matter of fact i was just talking to pam earlier and i said he's got the perfect co-host he's a psychologist I, like you and i would be terrible doing a podcast together because we just wind oh, we each would, other yeah. up oh we would we would so you know so so i mean i don't sometimes people don't understand what it takes to actually put a podcast together right i know what it takes for you to do it i think a lot of people have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and she will actually cover the mic and say stop and then we'll stop the podcast because i start to get too heated <laughs> and no i'm serious i mean right so yeah then she'll say listen you got to calm down we have to we have to do this we have to move forward with this idea this concept and i'll say okay okay and then and then i'll we'll, re- we'll redo it and i'll have to edit a little part out and then we continue as if no one even knows that i was getting a little too heated this was an issue with the last podcast I did because we fed off each other's anger and like hate. I'm telling you, it was like, it was like the empire. You know what I mean? It was like going into this <laughs> studio was like going to the death star. And it was like, it was like there was a battle taking police with the dark forces and, and, um, and, and no one said to stop. And, you know, um, Amanda has the ability to say, calm down, let's reboot. And let's take let's take a second, right? You know, so um, right. yeah, so that is the difference. So she's been a big help. She's been a really good balance. So Amanda has been a a, a type of person who has been calming, but also she's been someone who's been able to keep me on the straight and narrow. <laughs> um, and she actually relieves my stress yeah. because I'm very stressed out here dealing with everything that I'm dealing with. She's like that calm voice, and she's that that calming soul that um keeps me in line and tells me you know what it's going to be okay this can't last forever or this isn't going to be like this and that's the type of person a high-strung person like me needs in my life you guys bring the perfect dichotomy of personalities to the show and it's all positive yeah even though you guys come at it from different points of view sometimes 
it's all positive and you can tell you both respect and are listening to each other's opinion and so forth. And it works out really, really good. So yeah, I love her as your co-host pass that on for me next time you talk. To yeah, me. no worries. So <laughs> she's in your Jeep and she's cruising around the Island. How do we go from there to she is your co-host? Yeah. So we're having a great time. And at the end of the day, you know, I go to drop her off. Uh, and I remember at the Hyatt and I said, you know, when you go back, let's keep in touch. We kept in touch for the following year as she planned her, her um, return to Hawaii to move. Now, during the this process, I began looking for places for her to live. I went, you know, just like we do now with the podcast that we help patrons move here and things like that. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing with her. And I found her the most sweetest, amazing place. This is so funny. The first place that I brought her to, we didn't happen to get for her. But the second place, I think, is the, the place where she is now is absolutely gorgeous. I took care of it for her. I brought in plants. I just I made her feel really comfortable when she got there. Well, another patron came to Hawaii, and you're not going to believe it. The first place I looked for Amanda, I got for him. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable how that worked out. So both places are gorgeous. So Boston Mike is one of the patrons. And now he's staying in the place that I first went to look for Amanda. It came up for rent again. So they're both very happy right now. But I got that place for Amanda. She moved here. and I would keep in touch and things like that. And eventually I had her onto the show to do an episode. And um, it was Hawaii 360 where we talked about, I believe it was her first year anniversary of being there. And we just discussed that. And I'm like, you know what? That show was amazing. She would make a great host. And eventually, you know, I asked her, I think it was the Christmas special of that year. Would you like to start to do the podcast with me? Because I think we really work well together. And we just had some good vibes going. And um, that's kind of how it all started. And, and she was very intuitive on like what I can do to do make the show better and, and, and how to go about doing it. What we should add, what we shouldn't add. You know, the news was a big part of it because I learned from the past, from the past podcast that I did, that getting into the news could cause a lot of problems. But the way she said, let's do the news was different. It was like, just focus on the news in Hawaii. Don't include the world in what's going on or the mainland of the United States. Talk about the news, but you don't get into political party news. Yeah, I mean, there may be news out there that you go, "This is crap," and I don't agree with this. Ty, and, that's and all sometimes her. That's you're, all her. but sometimes your feeling may align with one party or the other. But it's not because you watch one news station or the other. You just share your feelings about it. Yes, and I know, and I can tell my listeners from knowing you that you are neither Democrat nor Republican, so you don't align with either political party. So, she doesn't either. Right. She doesn't either. Right. So we both see issues with the two parties, and we said, you know, let's just focus on what's happening to Hawaii. And if there's a person in office that's a Democrat or a Republican, let's just say good and bad about them, whatever we feel. doesn't matter whether there's party or not. Not all Republicans are bad. Not all Democrats are bad. So, you know, that's what we did. We focused. We didn't go outside of Hawaii, and we've been trying to keep it that way, which for me, she kept it controlled. You know what I mean? Like she's been able to control how mm-hmm. we do it. I think the show would be out of control right now without her. So, <laughs> Do me a favor. Let's take about five, ten minutes tops, because I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I do yeah. think it's important to cover. Tell me what's going on in Hawaii right now with regards to COVID. Yeah, so um, as we've been saying in the podcast, we're, we're kind of entering a kind of a dark phase of Hawaii because we're starting to segregate people. So we're on September 13th to November 13th, 
it's going to be a 60 day um proclamation that they put through that let's 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 stop real quick and back up about a month yeah your cases started to rise when they quit requiring tests for vaccinated tourists is that correct that is correct that that was the only change they were requiring a negative test for everybody within what 72 hours prior to flying ty that's where it went to shit yeah Yeah. and then they quit requiring tests for vaccinated tourists and that's when cases started flying through the roof on the whole island, right? But ca- but catch this: this is there was a there was a horrible combination. One, they stopped testing. Two, the Delta had just started. Mm. You know how this works: you have a plane, the vaccinated are not being tested, and there's let's say fifty people on the plane that have been not vaccinated, and they all took tests. But if that one vaccinated person could have spread it to all the unvaccinated people on the plane. Or have or the vaccinated person could have got everyone else that's vaccinated infected on the plane. They get off the plane, one waitress at a restaurant that's not vaccinated, you know, or someone that is vaccinated. Boom, that one person can bring it back to the house and infect their whole household. Because, as you know, in Hawaii, it's hard to afford to live here. Everybody lives in the same household. So if you have 10 people in the household, you're infecting everyone. What does the state do? The state blames the local people for local infection. I'm like, yes, but that's not where it started. It came from a plane, from the people you weren't checking. And then it exploded once it got here. And that's not just just, you. Is that how a lot of the local people feel? They blame the tourists for bringing it in? Right. Yeah, so we have a problem to where the local people are angry at the leadership. But, you know, technically, how do they how do they get how, they can't beat them up? They can't get their anger really out on them. They can't take them out of office. So they take their anger out on the tourists. Hmm. So it's not technically their fault. But still today, you know, we have the numbers down to where it's 20 people outside you can have in a, in a gathering and 10 people inside. There's a there's a woman on, on, on um, you know, Instagram showing pictures of luau's going on with 150 people outside when you're only supposed to have 20. This is a local person letting everybody know it's a different set of rules for the tourist and a different set of rules for the local people. Right. I mean, it's not fair. It's not right. There's weddings going on that are not from this. You know, they come from outside that have more than 20 people. And it just shows that, you know, there's a disconnect and that money is more important than lives or more important than the local people. Has there been any talk of going back, uh, going back on that rule and making everybody get tested prior to flying over there? Of course there has. The governor excuses, though, Governor Ige's excuse is the CDC says that you cannot test vaccinated on planes because they've been vaccinated. And so this is his excuse not to do it. But he can make proclamation and say, well, we're going to do it anyways. And if the CDC and the, and, the, and the federal government wants to sue us, they can sue us. But I'm doing this to protect my people. And he, he, can, he can look it. at the results and see what's happening. Yeah. Right? Of course, but he's just, you know, if you've been listening at all to this guy, he's just a coward. I mean, he's just an idiot. So there's, there's no help on, on us getting what needs to be done. We saw the numbers go from 20 to 1,000. Right. I mean, are you kidding? What's the problem here? So we still have not implemented the uh, vaccinated get tested. So instead what they do, well, we're not going to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to create this vaccine health pass where you can't go into restaurants you can't go to bars. You can't go to gyms. You can't go to movie theaters. You can't go to arcades with your kids. You can't do anything unless you're vaccinated. 
Now, the scariest thing they just came up with yesterday, yesterday they did a proclamation. They're going to have, was it a digital thing online where they're going to track you now. There's going to be a database. So you, you take your card, the paper card, and you scan it. It goes onto the computer. It goes into their database. And then when you go to a restaurant or you go to a bar or you go to the gym, it's scanned. They know that you've been at the bar. They know you've been at the restaurant. They know what you've been doing where you've been going, that is scary shit. Now, let me ask you this question. How long do they say they're going to do this vaccine passport for, for like two months or something like that? <laughs> it's not going to be two months. <laughs> well, you don't go through all that length to do it for two months. I mean, this whole no! thing started in California with two weeks to bend the curve, right? Oh, but you yeah. don't implement all that technology for something you only plan on doing for two months. Those two months, November 13th, it's not going to end November 13th. What is the average feel you see on the ground in Hawaii right now? Yeah, so the people here are like, what's happening right now is not the Aloha way. This is not the way you treat each other. And the thing is, is this is the issue. If you have a household where, you know, let's say that you have a household of 10, six or seven are vaccinated, three or four are not vaccinated. They're all going to support each other and, you know, believe that it's their right if they don't want to do that it was my choice to get vaccinated i'm standing behind my brothers and sisters it is the government and the leadership that is separating us and making us fight each other it's not the people and that's the problem and we're having the protests in the streets of waikiki there's there's tourists here and they're having to listen to drums beating and cowbells in the middle of the night as people are going up and down the streets of kalakaua and it's it's a disaster. It's like you wouldn't want to be here right now because these people are trying to stop this thing from going into effect on September 13th. And then you have a mayor that's very arrogant and he's not going to change where he's at. So I think we're going through with it. I don't know how completely how it's going to be implemented. I know a lot of people don't want to sign up for this digital thing. And right now, they now this is how they do it. It's not mandatory right now. But you know what's that? It's going to be mandatory eventually. Maybe after these sixty days. You don't days. have to say it's not mandatory. You just can't leave your damn house unless you have. No. It. You can't go out to eat. They've tried this stuff in Europe, and a lot of restaurants are going broke because people aren't going to the restaurants. Bro, if, if people are going, okay, uh, there's going to be a, even less businesses here. More people are going to lose their businesses because you also have to understand the little thing that people don't understand. A lot of these small little businesses, they have regulars that come in all the time that love to go and spend money at these restaurants. Now you have the owners that if these regulars are not vaccinated, they're not going to be welcomed. How do you deal with that? Like this is somebody like you might have talked to at the bar every night that's always in there spending money. And now you're excommunicating with them and you're segregating them. And they're going to be like, you know what? I'm never going to come back here again. And I've been coming here for 20 years. That's harmful. And the other thing we were talking about here in Hawaii is that if you have a group of eight people, you're all friends, you want to go out to eat, six of you are vaccinated, two of you are not. All eight of you are not going to go into that restaurant if two of them are not invited in because they're not vaccinated. That's You've good. lost that's eight good, people. It's a good point. I'll tell you a story my dad told me happened in his lifetime. I don't remember what state it was in, but my dad was in the military and they went to go out somewhere to eat. And the restaurant they were walking into would not serve one of the guys with them because he was black. This was back in the day. Um, so yeah, guess what? Yeah. Every single one of them said, kiss my ass and turn around and left that place together. And that's so exactly that's exactly what happen. you're just saying is going to happen. 
Exactly. And it, and it's going to be and this is not the restaurant's fault. The, this is what's been forced on them. If they don't do what they're supposed to do. Are you ready? Five thousand dollar fine a day. Wow. Let me ask you a question then related to that. You have a, a rule that says in order to go into this restaurant, you have to be vaccinated. What if you're an employee there? Um, so right now they're going through the process of that you have to be vaccinated as well or you have to have a test every week. Now, the whole test of being tested every week, I don't know who's paying for that because that doesn't get that's not like, oh, if you're doing it every week, that's not going to be cheap. So I don't know if that's going to be put on the employee or it's going to be put on the business. Um, But businesses can't handle what's going on already. The problem is restaurants can't even find employees right now. So we were talking about that in the last podcast. That This is like some kind of uh, like a great resignation. Everyone is deciding not to come back to the jobs that they left or the jobs that were closed down when COVID hit. So I don't know how these businesses are going to survive. Even if we were open at 100 capacity right now, the restaurants could only serve 50 percent capacity because they don't have the employees. So I don't know what's going to happen to these jobs in the future. We were talking about it in the show that eventually we're going to AI, man. We're going to the things where Hmm. these jobs are going to be automated. And it's going to be a lot less communication, in-person-to-person communication. And that is going to be a sad day when that happens. But I feel that that's slowly going in that direction because these jobs don't coming back. We're losing a business every day. Here. Right, right. Yeah, it's sad. But what's happening to the people that live on the island right now, the average person that lives on Hawaii? They're leaving. How many of them are leaving? Uh, I do not know. All I can give you is my personal account i know it's big um but let's just say this i've lost in the last two years i've lost about 15 close friends that have left the islands that's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking because some of these some of these own businesses and they went under and they either they went under they sold them and they said we can't afford we we can't do this anymore we we don't know what we're going to do we have to go somewhere where we can survive we can we can live you know you're talking about places like texas Places like Arizona. I don't like for the life of me. By the way, I got this game I started playing when I moved yeah. out here. Everybody in the Tampa area is from somewhere else. And it's like tourists come here from everywhere. And they drive here a lot. So I started saying I could go down to Clearwater Beach and see plates from 25 different states in a, in a half hour. You know, So I started this game. I said, let's see how long it'll take me to see every plate in the United States. I've I've seen Alaska like four times. I see Canada. Hawaii. I I have not seen Hawaii. <sighs> I have three plates that I have not seen: Idaho, Wyoming, and Hawaii. Now I have a friend. Well, why, of, uh, Wyoming's doing pretty good, so maybe. <laughs> I think there's only like six people that live there, so the chances of me seeing one of their right. plates before they get here and move is different. Kind of the yeah. same with Idaho. I think the reason I don't see Hawaii plates might be because it's just too much to ship a car all the way from Hawaii here. It's better to sell it, would be my guess. I agree with you. Uh, my well, f- that, is the, that is the guess, and, and, and cars are going for prices you won't even imagine here. So it would be much better to sell your vehicle here before you leave. Yeah. So I'm still yeah. hoping to see a Hawaii plate. My friend Connie that lives uh, down in Sarasota, she was on the podcast a couple of times, her and her husband. 
sent me a photo of a Hawaii plate, said, look what I saw. I said, God, I wish I could take it, but I can't. I got to see it personally with my eyes. Let me ask you, let's change the subject a little bit and kind of stay on the same thing of of depressing stuff. And I think they're trying to say it's related to COVID, but one of the things I was upset about on the last podcast I came out with when I was talking about updates on Kauai is the fact that, and this was before COVID, they started requiring reservations to go to KA Beach or if you wanted to walk the first part of the Kalalau Trail. From one of your later shows, you're starting to do that stuff on Oahu. They're saying COVID's the reason, but aren't they starting to require reservations even among locals on island? Yeah, so they're doing a combination of it's related to COVID, but also related to over-tourism. So they're trying to control it now. So they believe that if they get a grip on it now during this unsettling time, that when tourism really takes off again, that they will be be able to have a controlled system to where they can only allow a certain amount of people into the place and then they charge way more money now. Like the prices are going to get really out of control of how much it's going to cost to go to Diamond Head or to go to Hanama Bay or to do all these things. And um, the thing we were worried about was, is this going on for for locals too? They're doing a pilot program right now to um, allow a certain amount of locals to come in without registration or without registering or without, you know, anything. So they're working on that right now to see how they can allow a certain amount of locals to come in and then the people who are not from here that are on vacation register to come in. So we'll see how that works. So it's not determined yet right now what's going on. What are the places you're seeing that? I know Hanuma Bay was one of them. Where else are you seeing that happen? Well, this is the crazy thing. A lot of the parks are still closed. It's unbelievable. The gates are closed. You have to, this is the ridiculous thing. You have to park outside the gate of the parks and then walk in. Huh. Their excuse is we don't have money for someone to open the gates. It's COVID related. We don't want people You can't gathering. afford someone to open a gate? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not making this up, man. I'm not, I made it. Listen, I made a video of it. I actually have a video of it that I was going to, you know, let it go viral on, uh, you know, Instagram. The problem was, is I was wearing my uh, nonprofit shirt, so I didn't want to get my nonprofit in trouble because I was swearing. Um, so. <laughs> wait, wait, what? You swear? Oh, yeah. I swear I've, a lot I've never heard angry. you swear. <laughs> Yo, when I get angry, so I'm like sitting here going, well, the thing was, is I recorded, you ready? The beach park. I recorded the lifeguard opening the gate, bringing in his truck, closing the gate, and then go parking his truck at the lifeguard station. I'm like, you don't have money to open the gate? The lifeguard just opened it. <laughs> what are you doing? Why can't he just – it makes no sense. Why can't he keep the gate open and then close it when he leaves for the day, which is 9 to 5? Right. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. So there's definitely a disconnect. But, you know, also we're having a problem now with um, federal and state employees because they're being forced to vaccinate and they're refusing to do so. So they're letting them go. You're talking about people who are like only a couple of years away from retirement. They're being fired, terminated. Wow. I mean, because of a decision they've chosen to make. So it's You said a, something on the beginning of your podcast. I don't watch the news. So I didn't yeah. was not aware of this, but you said that at the time as as we do this recording right now, which is tonight, September 9th, that yeah. even though they're saying that the vaccine was approved, it hasn't been approved yet. Yeah, so this has been an emergency. It's an emergency approval declaration or whatever it is called, and it's not actually like fully approved. 
And so you don't even know these things. But yeah, supposedly it's not. If you go to the CDC website, it says right there that it's not fully FDA approved and it's still going through an experimental process. But it's been approved. Been emer- it's OK. An emergency approval. Approved for emergency on. use is what they're saying. Yes. Huh? Interesting. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Let me, but uh, when they said it was approved, that made people go out and get it, right? So I think they were trying to get more people to get out there and get it by saying it was approved by the FDA because that would give it some significance, right? So, right. But it was actually a lie. I mean, hmm. it's unbelievable. What do you see happening in real estate? Real estate's going crazy all across the nation, by the way. It's not just you guys. And it doesn't, okay. it doesn't make sense anywhere. But specifically, Hawaii makes zero sense to me because— with all the people that own vacation rentals there, and then suddenly yeah. you go, oh, vacationers can't come here for a year. I thought for sure we'd see a ton of places going on the market as people tried to stave off foreclosure. But all we've been seeing is prices either stay the same or climb over there. Well, catch this. I, you know, I'm doing my tours. We're going around the island all the time. House for sale, house for sale, house for sale loads of them loads of them so people are selling their homes people are leaving now i don't know if this is vacation rentals second homes i don't know what's going on but no matter what street what town i'm in i'm seeing for sale signs on the front of them Hmm. so that's definitely happening but i think the people are just people everybody here is just is just purchasing over who's buying who's buying these homes in hawaii right now do you know Dude, I wish I knew. They're definitely not. I don't think the majority of them. I I don't know. Rich Americans, people from California, um, people from around the world. So you're not yeah. seeing prices go down. You're seeing a, a ton of homes on the market, but you're still seeing prices rising. The prices are skyrocketing. This is funny when they when they, they have a article, you know, in the news. Medium house costs, which is an average house, right? It's it's over a million now. It's like one million fifty thousand. Next month it'll be. One million, a hundred thousand. I, I don't know, but the thing is, it's funny when they say that's the medium house price, but you could get a really low cost for a home. You'd have to rebuild it for like three or four hundred thousand. I'm like, that's not even funny. I go, what does that even mean? Are you like telling people to get a shithole and put another three, four hundred thousand dollars into it? I mean, a dump should not be costing you three, four hundred thousand dollars. You made a comment in your ta- podcast. You're talking about condos skyrocketing that I heard. Sixty percent. That's on Oahu or in Hawaii in general? That's Oahu. Wow. There seems to be a short on uh, homes. So people are moving over to condos now. And because there's only so many homes available, but I am seeing them. I mean, I can't deny I've actually seen it myself, the homes for sale. People are just moving to condos now, like condo associations where they have big complexes. But those condos now, those prices are going up. They used to be like three, four hundred thousand. Now they're at six, seven, up to a million for a condo. Want to hear something that's going to make you cry? Way back in the day when I first started working at the water company, so my daughter's twenty-three. This would have been almost twenty-three years ago. I worked. I worked on a truck for San Jose Water Company. We had a lot of Hawaiian people working there. This guy Milt was over from Oahu. You know where their Disney hotel is over and stuff over there now. Yeah, I've only been to Oahu a few times, so I've only been there three times, so I don't know that, what do you call that side of the island? Uh, It's the west side, but it's called Ko'olina. Okay, that area over there. Do you remember back when the Japanese had their total economy crash and they owned a lot of stuff in Hawaii and Hawaii's real estate and everything crashed? Yeah. 
Now, he was bringing stuff to work and showing me. You could have picked up a two-bedroom, one-bath, roughly 1,000-square-foot condo over there for $25,000. Should have done that, man. Should have bought 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Should have, would have, could have. But You'd be so rich. I know. I know. Oh, of course, that's like no. saying Bitcoin, but real estate is something that I always have been interested in, you know? But yeah, I well, kick what, myself thinking about that all the time. I mean, it's funny because I was actually looking at buying a home over on that side near Coalina. And at the time, this house was gorgeous. It had a yard. It had everything. It was brand new. The cost was like 380000 That home is like $1.5 million now. Crazy. So it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I, I thought about it. I said, ah, maybe later. But yeah, that's the thing now. Like people know that they're coming in and they're buying and they know they and then people are being pressured into it. Like if you don't buy this now, another year or two, it's going to be a quarter million dollars more. And then they think the people here think, too, well, you know, just buying a property. I don't even need to live it in right now. I'm making an extra 15, 20 grand a month. Yeah. And, it. and it's not I mean? it's not slowing down at all. Huh? Even right now. It's you no, know, it's increasing. Big island costs have gone up on average about uh, fifteen to twenty percent um, since COVID started. So that's that's an issue that I'm looking at. Right We're going to get because, to that a little down the road. Let's not yeah, jump into that yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you a couple other questions, and then I want to go there. Yeah. Last time we had you on the show, you talked about eight hundred eight cleanups. Talk about that again, real quick, and then tell me how that's getting affected by COVID. Yeah, so obviously, Italy Cleanups is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, and we're essentially the main nonprofit that cleans Hawaii's beaches, rebuilds reef systems, cleans the bottom of the oceans with our. Uh, we have um, scuba groups that go in and clean the bottom of the oceans and the reef systems. Uh, we rebuild Hawaiian temples and heiaus. We clean hiking trails. We rebuild hiking trails. We do everything. Believe it or not, which I don't like to be called, uh, we are called the trash people. <laughs> so I, know it's, I know it's like the Tuscan Raiders. It's like uh, it's like, yeah, so we go in and take care of all the crap that nobody else wants to do. And you know what? In reality, though, I'm OK with that because our logo and our representation of how we put it out there is I can't get a hold of the state. I can't get a hold of the government. I can't get a hold of the mayor's office. I need this thing cleaned up. I need this done. I'll call eight away cleanups because they'll actually do it. I'll call them and they'll be there tomorrow. And that's the one great thing about us is that the community can rely on us when they can't rely on the state to do their own job. And how are you guys so, doing? Are you having a problem organizing volunteers or are you still going strong? We are still going strong. We still have, you know, we have to limit our groups when we do cleanups and things like that because of the laws and, you know, the regulations right now. But we have gone strong throughout this whole thing. Our executive director, Mike, has really done a great advertising campaign on social media to keep everybody lively and going during this, uh, you know, COVID mess. The problem is, though, the state is not helping us out because they're pulling funds away from us because they know what's coming for them. They're going to have a huge deficit. And they're trying to figure out ways of how, you know, not to make it worse. So they're holding grants from us. They're deciding, oh, we can't do those grants this year. So we're having a harder time funding the organization right now. But the crazy thing is, is that of all the organizations, the state should be funding us because we keep Hawaii beautiful for tourism. I'm wondering why the tourism industry does not grant us grants and does not give us money. They have never once given us a penny. And it's really frustrated me. You know what I mean? Because it's 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 it hasn't been fair. It hasn't been right. 
So we're having a hard time right now. We're doing well. We're, we have enough money to survive another year, but we don't know what's going to happen after that. So that's kind of where we're at right now. But we are doing well. People are donating $20 here, $20 there. Um, we are getting grants. We are getting larger donations from local companies who care. But it, it, it's a lot harder than it was. Put it this way. Before COVID, we had twice as much money as we do now. So mm-hmm. it's a, it, it is a huge difference. What are you seeing yeah. on the beaches? Are there, granted, you had no tourists and you had a huge spike. Now the tourists are dropping off. What are you seeing happening with regards to trash on beaches? The biggest trash we see, disposable masks everywhere. Really? It's disgusting. These are like those one-use masks, like you wear them for the, you know, those those um, those blue ones, the blue and white ones, the real cheap ones. That, right. uh, yeah, people are just like, they're all over the beach. I'll go swimming in the ocean. They're floating in the ocean. They're floating in the bottom of the ocean. It's just like, I cannot believe we've created a whole nother environmental disaster by having these masks. That's terrible. So... It is terrible. But have the beaches overall been cleaner? Yes, because not as many people have been on them. Not as many people have been here. But we've seen a huge uptick in more masks everywhere, like everywhere. Like even in parking lots, there's trash of masks on the floor. You know, they hurdle and they all collect from the little wind in the corner of the parking lots. There's like 10 of them sitting there on the ground piled up. I'm like, Jesus, man. I mean, so, yeah, it's it, other than that, everything has been cleaner. But the masks has been a huge problem. What is going on with your tour company? And is that affected or how has it been affected? So obviously before we had that kind of breather and that breather was from May to August. Okay. That was when we were out of control, busy before that we were screwed. You know, the whole business was shut down. But from May to August, it had exploded more than it ever has in the history of the business. And we were like, okay, this is amazing. This is great. And then everything went to shit after they stopped testing the vaccinated. Hmm. And then once that happened, business went down to nothing. And then I started getting cancellations. And right now, you know, once the once the governor said, you know, no one should come here until November. And, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't actually say you cannot come here, but he said we recommend you don't. And ever since then, cancellation after cancellation. And no anywhere broke- off the island, the message was, don't come here. Essentially. That's what, yeah. that's for for anyone on the mainland, that's what the message, how it was relayed here. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we actually heard that message on CNN because CNN talked about it and they, they had this thing on it. And they pretty much told everybody not to come. That's what the governor said. And, you know, we're like, okay, great. Well, you know, I just purchased some new Jeeps and now they're sitting in the driveway because I expected to continue to have this great prosperity we were going through. And then, you know, the unvaccinated, you know, started coming in and then the Delta came and here we are. So I'm literally in the same position I was before. And now very few tours are coming in, more cancellations. People are deciding that they're canceling the tour for this year and they're going, you know, we're going to forward our vacation to 2022 now. Hopefully things will be better then. But it's crazy because in 2020, they said we're going to move our vacation to 2021. And now those people are saying, oh, we're going to move it to 2022. So it's just like they book again, they cancel again, they book again. And I understand because it's very confusing and people don't want to go through all this. Now, the shittiest thing of it all is the resorts here now because of this new vaccine digital card that they want to do. The resorts now have just decided that they're only going to allow vaccinated people in them. Hmm. 
Now that is going to be devastating, I think. So I now don't you're, think it's going to be. Um, and but he, you're, you're pushing it, out huge people from Texas. I think Florida it's. I think it is screwing the Hawaiian people that want to work at the hotels. And I, I think everything that's happening is screwing the Hawaiians. But if I don't think it's going to be so much because you guys are overpopulated as it is. It seems like if yeah. you cut half of that in half and only the vaccinated people went and all the unvaccinated people said, well, I can't go, you're still going to be crowded. No, okay, so I see what you're saying. Essentially what Hawaii wanted to do, and it has nothing to do with the the hotels making a decision that they're going to be vaccinated only. Hawaii wanted to figure out a way to control tourism anyways. And I do believe that this is a good way to control it because now you'll only have the vaccinated coming to Hawaii. It's not fair to tell someone that doesn't get a, want to get vaccinated. They can't go to Hawaii. I mean, how long they're saying two months of this, right? <laughs> so they're yeah. saying there, but we know, I mean, this is in place for more. Let me ask you a question. I'll just, this is on my list of things I want to ask you, but I'll, this yeah. is a good place for it. Where do you see, I know you've had some plans for other things going on, like the brew hop. What do you call that thing you're putting together? Oh yeah. So it's the, um, Hawaii brew bus tours. It's done in old Volkswagen buses and we go to the breweries, distilleries and tiki bars of Hawaii. Now you've had to put a hold on starting that because of COVID. Is that gone yeah. away completely or is that just on hold or where is no. that sitting right now? Yeah. So we've actually, yeah, which I haven't told anyone yet, but I'm working with a, a partner on that an investor and we've been going back and forth because, you know, there's been a problem, you know, their investment is like just sitting there right now. Right. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's not really much I can do right now because I know this will be an amazing, successful concept and idea and it's already up and running. And I just launched the website a couple of days ago. So that's up and running. The problem is though, is when it comes to the bars and it comes to distilleries and it comes to the tiki bars, there is so many problems here currently right now because of, you know, this COVID pass. And then hours are changing all the time at the bars and breweries. They're deciding what days they're going to be open, what days they're not. You know, they don't have enough staff. The tiki bars, some of them, you know, you have to redo their liquor licenses. They currently don't have them because the state is backed up by a couple of months. So we really can't run a fully functional um, bus tour right now to these breweries and all these things until all these things are handled at the brewery stage. I mean, we can only do so much. We're starting to take tours if people want to do them. The problem is, is when you show up, we, we could literally show up if we didn't call them and the bar would be closed. Hmm. Because for whatever purpose, they didn't have staff that day. Um, maybe they had a COVID outbreak, whatever it may be. So we really, we're going to try to do it, but I really don't see that taking off well until sometime next year when we know for a fact where we're going to be on vaccine passports, where we're going to be on these health cards. And we know firmly, like they're saying they're going to do this for 60 days. Let's see what happens after those 60 days. If they continue it, then we can all assume that we're not going to be able to bring people to the bars that aren't vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? I think what they're going to do is see how people react to it. And if people accept it, they're going to keep doing it. And if people don't accept it, they're going to take it away and go, well, it was only planned for 60 days anyway, you know? Right. So we really need to know right now where that's going to be because, Mm -hmm. you know, 
when we get a booking, I don't have the website set up to find out if you're vaccinated or not. Now I'm going to have to add a layer of adding more emails to them. I'm going to have to post it somewhere on the website that only the vaccinated come into the bars right now. And it's kind of like I'm like segregating people through my business because of the state. And I don't want to do that either. So it's very confusing. I, 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 we've posted a uh, thing on the front of the website saying, you know, we have to follow the rules, although we feel, you know, that the, it's your right as an individual to choose what you want to do. You just unfortunately can't go on a tour with us because you have to be vaccinated to go into these bars. Hmm. So it's tough. The, the state is really putting businesses in a bad place. Now, as for my Jeep tours, I can continue to do those because we're not focused on bars. A lot of the places we go to are food trucks, and there's no rules or laws in the food trucks because they're outside. And you just walk up to them, order them, and leave. And then so the rest the of the Jeep day, you're on a beach or down a hiking yeah. trail or whatever. Yeah. 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 So the so the Jeep tours can continue. the The bus concept was brilliant. It's a great idea. It's no one's doing it here. It just involves a lot of back end uh, and a lot of logistics that we just can't do fully right now. But hopefully next year we'll be able to jam that out and hopefully it'll do well as long as we get the Delta variant under control and uh, move forward with that. But but the Jeep business is was going off. I know it's going to be highly successful as we go forward. We've gotten more vehicles and it's going to be fine. I really want to push the bus thing and um, we'll just see how that goes over the rest of this year and uh, plan for hopefully a big explosion in that next year, I hope. Cool. Okay. Yeah, One yeah. last thing I want to ask you. Now yeah. – this is probably my best chance to get into the islands unless there is a crash, which I, I said before I brought you on. I was talking and saying, I don't see a huge crash coming right now. At one point, yeah. I saw something was going to happen. I do have some money set aside to buy if if I'm able to find something in the right price range. But um, right now, especially with everything is up in the air as it is, I don't really feel like putting it down. And I really think my best chance on getting to Hawaii is what you're planning on doing over on Big Island. Why don't you talk about that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, so if you've been, you know, listening to the podcast, that we talk about a little bit of the free ones, but mostly on the uh, patron episodes, this has been kind of like pushed forward quicker because of what we're starting to see where people are leaving Oahu and the other islands and they're starting to, instead of moving to the mainland, they're starting to go over to the big island and purchase land and build little homes. And this is the way they're going to be able to stay in Hawaii. You know, instead of going to Texas, instead of going to Arizona or wherever you're going to go, Florida, where it's a lot cheaper to live, you go to the big island and you're going to be able to have that same type of lifestyle that you have in the other islands, but it's going to be as cheap as if you live to Florida. So that's really the only way to do it. So my concept and idea was to build a small off-grid community that has about maybe 20 people on board. If I had more people on board, I'd get we'd purchase more land. But right now we're looking for 10 to 20. We all put in on the land to pay it outright. I would prefer to pay it all the land outright. We don't want a bill coming in every month. I'd prefer. So what are you looking money, at acres, acreage wise? We're going to look at anywhere from 20 to 100 acres. Okay. So 20 to 100 acres. That's going to depend on how many how many people we get on board initially. If we have 10 people. You know, we would get 100 acres, then, you know, you look at how much that's going to be each person. We don't know right now, but the land, depending on how many acres, and on top of that, if it has a waterfall on it, if it has really good pasture area for farming, things like that, the, the land may be a little more, maybe a little cheaper. Um, we're looking at 
Waipio, Hamakua Coast area. So obviously it's going to be a little more expensive up there, but the growing is really going to be good for anything that we want to grow. And the breezes are going to be really nice. So it won't be that that hot. Where we, you know, it's not going to be muggy and hot where you're going to need air conditioning and, and all this. other. And you have to worry about mold like you do in Puna and Hilo and those areas. So we prefer to go up north. But 20 to 100 acres, depending on how many people we get in, we can split that up two acres uh, a person and go from there a one acre a person and then only have to get like 20, 30 acres. It just depends on what we want to do. The idea was to go in August and start looking at land. I had the flights. We had to cancel the flights because of the uptick in COVID. They said don't travel, so we didn't go. So as soon as we feel comfortable to go again, which will probably be next year, hopefully early in 2022, we're going to go over there. We're going to start looking at land. We're going to go talk to some manufacturers that build the tiny homes, and we're also going to talk to that company that builds um, Bamboo Living. Uh, They build bamboo homes. Now, those bamboo homes are very well priced. They're priced from anywhere from two hundred to four hundred thousand, which is amazing. I mean, you're talking about Florida prices for a home, and you just put it on your acre or two of land. And then, how, how uh, large are those bamboo homes at that price? So the one we were looking at for three hundred ninety-nine thousand was, I believe, three thousand square feet. Well, holy cow! That's a really good price for the size. Now, how would that hold up in a hurricane? Would the whole thing be blown off into the ocean, or what? So we looked into that. It can can handle a Category Four to Five hurricane. Holy cow! Okay. Because it bends, because it bends, and it's stronger than steel. Huh. Interesting. If you can believe it, isn't that crazy? Well, I, that surprises me. Yeah, I would have thought. And me too. I would have thought like you know, I grew up with the three little pigs, right? So the hay house and the stick house are the ones that get blown down. And that the wasn't the bamboo house. house. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So what what you're looking at doing is going in and buying a large chunk of land that is going to be subdivided and sold off. Everyone's going to own their own portion acreage wise. Correct. And then someone, the people that own their own portion of land, then they are going to pay to put a house on it. Is it going to be like a HOA where you're going to require everybody have either bamboo or whatever other version of the house? Or could one have a bamboo, the next one, this guy could build a tiny house or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay, Ty, so this is how this is going to work out. We've been talking about this um, here and there. And the the issue with this is um, I'm not a big fan of our government, okay? So I don't really want them intrusing on what we're doing or how we're trying to live our lives. Once you start building foundations and start putting in septics, the state has to come on to regulate and see what's going on. Then they're going to stop you from building. And then you're going to have to sit there and wait till you can build your house. Whereas if you have tiny homes and you bring them in on wheels, you know, the tiny homes are about 400 square feet each. You bring them on wheels. You pull them up to your lanai that you've built with a foundation. And you can have as many around that lanai as you want. So the one that I designed is three. So it's 1,200 square feet. That's not including the second floor. That's just 1,200 square feet of ground space. So it's really a lot more than that. And I create a C, and then you put a lanai in the middle, and you put a cover where you put your solar. So you're looking at a good 2,000-square-foot home that's not has no foundation. You can use incinerators, or you can use uh, compost for your toilets. I was going to ask you. I never heard the no septic yes. part, but uh, yeah. So now you don't need septic. You don't need anything going into the ground. The state doesn't have to come onto your property for any reason whatsoever. Because your home is on wheels, it's considered an RV, and you just pay a certain amount of tax on that, which is very low compared to a house that has a foundation. 
and then the incinerator, you take a dump, you friggin' flush, you go back, it's dust, go to the bathroom again, take the dust out the back of the uh, house and just dump it whatever you want it. Or you can get the compost and then you can use the compost once a week as compost for your farm or for your crops or anything like that. It just depends on what you want to do. Talk about what you were doing with the farming too, because that sounds interesting. You were going to kind of tie it in. You were toying around with the idea of tying it in with a nonprofit idea to bring like Hawaiian farming to teach people and so forth. Yes. So what we want to do also, let's say we have 20 people on the property because it is going to be agricultural land. We do have to grow a certain amount of crops on each acre. So which I don't believe that's going to be any problem because we want to teach all our we want to teach the community how to be self-efficient. So we want everyone to grow their own crops and we'll have a main greenhouse for everybody. But let's say you you want to grow, you know, mangoes is your thing. You want to grow mangoes. Okay. Throw some mangoes on your property, and then you'll share with the whole community. Every Saturday or every weekend, we'll get together down at the center of uh, the community, and we'll all bring our crops, and we'll all exchange crops to each other and go back to our homes and have a wonderful time. If somebody wants to grow papaya, fine. Somebody wants to grow weed, fine. Somebody wants to grow honey uh, with bees, fine. Everybody can grow and do something. You want to grow tomatoes, grow tomatoes, whatever it is. But we're all going to contribute to each other, so we all have food, and we also learn how to be self-efficient. Now, once we get to that point where we're at that point, then we can bring schools and people who want to come onto the property to contribute to helping, um, you know, tend the land, but also stay there and live in like really small little tiny homes, like 200 square foot homes, and they can stay for a week or two weeks, learn how we take care of our homes, learn how we take care of our solar and our compost toilets, you know, how we manage our gardens and things like that. Now, does everybody, uh, let's say there's 20 people, do they all need to contribute to that when teaching people? No, no. I mean, I have no problem taking that all by myself. Just as long as you're growing crops on your own acre, you're taking care of yourself, you're contributing in some form to the community, you know, maybe, and we're gonna, we want to have animals on the land too. You know, we want to have chickens, we want to have uh, organic eggs, we want to have maybe some goats for goat milk and cheese and soap. And, um, Everybody can contribute to that, but you don't have to like, there's going to be a limit to what you need to do because you want to retire. You want to enjoy your life. What happens if I want a place there, but I'm going to be there three months a year and I go, I don't mind if you use part of my land to grow chickens on when I'm not there, but I'm not going to be there to do crops all year round because I'm not going to be there. You know, how would that work? Would something like that be fine or no? No, that should be fine. What what we'll do is we, you know, you've already said that, yes, you can use some of the land, which we, we need to. We need to use some of each acre of land right. for rock crops. So it needs to we'll, be zoned, zoned that way. Yeah, out. it needs to be zoned. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if, you know, so if we say, oh, you know, Ty, you're only going to be three months. Do you mind if we put some chicken coops back here and we'll take care of the chickens for you? Yeah. Like that. That would be fine. Cool. Yeah, that would be fine. And then go, obviously – if you let's say you purchase the land, but you're not, but you want to purchase the land now, but you're not going to retire and move into to Hawaii for another ten years, at least you have the land. You know, we'll continue. We'll cut the grass for you on the land. We'll take care of the land. We'll maintain it for you until you're ready to come out and build your house. But at least your land is secured. What kind of price then, range are you looking at for the land itself? Not counting the house on it. Um, I would say it's going to range anywhere from. Two hundred thousand to a million, depending on how much land we get. For the total land, I'm saying when you break it up by total. the people, like okay, let's oh, say, when you yeah. break it up, when, yeah. yeah, when you break it by the people, depending ten to twenty people, I'm thinking anywhere from twenty to forty thousand a person per acre or per chunk or per, per chunk. Yeah. yeah, I mean it could be per acre, 
So if it was per acre and we only got, you know, the, the land was 200,000 and it was only um, 20 acres, you just split that, the 200,000 between the 20 people that are getting it. It could be less right, right. or it could be more, you know. But I mean, if we have an opportunity to get land that's 850,000 or a million dollars and it's got a waterfall on it and you get fresh water, I mean, who doesn't want a waterfall on the property? Where does the garbage go? Right. That's that is excellent question. So when it comes to garbage, we are going to push for self-sufficiency, but also environmentally friendly homes where you're going to minimize your plastic. You're going to minimize your trash. So the majority of the, the trash that you have, a lot of it can be fed to the animals in the property and the other rest of it can go into compost. We want to minimize the trash we use. Um, it's not going to be a HOA. But it's going to be like, we do not want plastic on this property. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to, it's not going to so force you, but it's going to teach you how to live without these things. Like, do you really need plastic? No, you can use, you can use a hydro flask. You don't need plastic. You don't need like plastic water bottles or things like that. Yeah, you but where I mean? do I go when I go to the store? If I go to the store and I buy some jugs of milk and some eggs or whatever, you know what I mean? What do I do with that? I can't. Okay, see what you're saying? So eggs is provided in the property for you for the chickens. Milk is going to be provided for the goats. You're going to have goat milk. Hmm. So now these are the different. Now, can you handle goat milk? I don't know. You're not going to be forced to do that. But we're going to help the community together show that this can be done. And it can be done at a minimal environmental footprint so it's a matter of changing your mindset a little bit yes changing your mindset a little bit and i've been slowly doing that in my own household i minimize as much plastic as i can already you know just use bamboo use metal use these other things you know use things that you don't need plastic for it can be done and when you're in that situation you're in that environment you're seeing other people doing it and you're like well if they're doing it i can do this and then the feeling that you realize wow, I'm not using plastic anymore. I didn't think I could ever do this. Let's say this is successful and it all takes yeah. off. Do you think you could get any grief from the government about it? I mean, I'm not going to compare it to Taylor Camp, but like how the government just started crapping all over Taylor Camp and wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. Granted, this would be yeah. a self-sustaining community that was educational and teaching people and doing stuff, but will it become that's a hippie colony mindset that the government will start trying to look for things to crap on you about. Well, right. But once we start bringing school systems and other people on there to show how they can live, you know, an off grid lifestyle. Now, mind you, there's already, I believe two off grid communities on the big Island already. Oh, there are already. Okay. Yes. And you also have to think too, let's say the state for some reason came onto land, although we want to make sure they have no reason to come onto the land. What would they say? Like, what are we doing wrong that's either hurting the environment or hurting us? And, you know, they just wouldn't have a reason for that. Right. The other thing is we won't have power lines going to the property. We won't have sewage or septic going to the property. So this is how you live. You live off grid, just like you do in Pune, just like you do in the Hilo areas where the, where the um, you know, the uh, volcanic rock is and the lava. Those people live off grid. It's well known, especially on the Big Island. That's that's the way people live. That's the way that people have lived for a very long time, and we're not doing anything different than they have been doing. Right on. 
So, yeah, other than, of course, I think people think a little bit too much of that, like, oh, if, if we're not relying on the government, they're going to come after you. I think really on the Big Island, it's a whole other lifestyle. That's the way people have, have always been living there. So I think we could easily get away with doing the same thing everyone else has been doing. Sounds good. Sounds good. And if people yeah. want to hear more about yeah. it, listen to your podcast, because as it becomes closer, you guys talk about it from time to time. Well, in fact, I think you just mentioned it on your last show when I was listening to it a little bit. Um, yeah. But you guys do mention it, and that's you know how I heard about it. So I think it's fascinating. I'm interested in seeing where this goes. And I'm definitely following yeah. it very, very closely. So, right on. Okay. Well, okay. Wade, I appreciate you coming on the show. Like always, you know, we start talking. And I go, oh, we'll be uh, I told Pam, <laughs> I'm going to record with Wade. We'll probably be up for about a half hour, you know, but here we are. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate right on, you man. sharing the current state of affairs, even when it's not pleasant to listen to. I love listening to your show. I will be continuing to listen to your show, and I encourage all my listeners to listen to your show because even though it's not Kauai, it definitely gives you an escape to Hawaii as well as educating you and giving you kind of a, a good insight into what's going on, the state of things right now in the island. Yeah. So thanks for coming on to doing that. I'm sure we'll talk very soon, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks a lot, bud. Right on, man. Aloha. All right. We'll talk to you later. So that was Wade. If you listen to the podcast, you get him and you would be introduced to Amanda. I'm sure you would love her as well. I love his idea about living off-grid. I um, am looking forward to hearing more about it. And maybe it's something that down the road I would actually go in on and become a part of. If that happens and if I end up getting a place on the big island, maybe you'd be hearing Wade and I together somewhere down the road. Who knows? But it's definitely something that has my attention and I will be following closely as his plans with that go forward. Anyway, this is going to bring our series of uh, Kauai podcast shows to a wrap. And um, I've been putting off doing this because I just don't like saying it. It almost feels like I'm getting choked up inside. This podcast is my link to that island. I feel like I'm I'm getting on that plane right now and flying away. But um We've had some wonderful times on this show. I've met some wonderful people through this show. And a lot of people have shared a lot of wonderful things with both myself and the world. And to everybody out there, I say thank you. To all the listeners, I say thank you. Mahalo. Um, thank you very much for everything else. Always keep the islands in your heart. Sometimes we can't get there. I guarantee you the islands are always in my heart whether I'm there or not. If you can't be there, keep that feeling of the islands in your heart. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world out there. Keep that aloha feeling in your heart all the time. We'll catch you later. Gee, I'd love to be stranded